I truly believe nothing is going to change unless we start trying to change the, the conversation. So if we are completely unwilling as people to age out loud, we are never going to shift the needle, right? It's never going to be okay to be 40, 45, 47, 50, 55, 60 at work unless people are willing to, to share that they are you know, that age. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast. It's season four, and here we are still reimagining, rethinking, and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age. We are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join the Age Agitators Club for Women, where we come together monthly to hatch our plans for making waves as we age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community, and I hope to see you there. Hello, my friend. I have a question for you, and here's a little warning. I'm coming in hot right now. Are you comfortable saying your age out loud? Do you avoid it altogether, or do you throw in jokes about being older than God or being around when dinosaurs roamed the earth? Do you say things like, I'm 29 again? I know these jokes seem harmless, but I'd like you to consider the idea that joking about being over the hill or having a senior moment, they're actually harmful. Those jokes work to cement the idea that you're past your prime and everything is downhill from here. What if... Instead of joking about our age or avoiding telling people about our age, we decided to own it, loud and proud. Here's a quote from today's guest. If we don't start sharing our age and aging out loud, we're never going to shift the cultural conversation about what it means to move into our 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Aging does not make you irrelevant. I love that quote. My guest today is Katie Fogarty. She's the host and creator of A Certain Age podcast. She's also the CEO and founder of The Reboot Group, which is a communications consultancy that helps companies and professionals grow through better career and brand stories. She founded The Reboot Group after a writing and communications career that spanned Capitol Hill, corporate America, the television news, and she launched her podcast when she was 50 years old. I highly recommend it, by the way. So without further ado, here's Katie Fogarty. Let's go. Hey, Katie, thank you so much for being with me today. I am delighted to be here. I appreciate the invitation. I am. So I have to tell you that it was because I listened to your podcast one day and every morning now in my kitchen, I, I usually make hot tea for my teenager to tempt him to come out of bed. 
Nice. I love it. So I'm making this tea. And as the tea bag is steeping, I stand on one leg. Do you remember that trick? I can't remember who your guest was. Well, you are, you are taking care of future Yvonne by doing that. That, that tip and trick was taught to me by Dr. Vonda Wright, who is an orthopedic surgeon. And she's also an academic researcher into senior Olympians. And she shared that we can continue to build muscle and be strong up until our 70s. But one of the first things to go is balance. And so by standing on one leg, when you brush your teeth or make tea or unload the dishwasher, you are improving your balance and and just making it easier to remain injury free. So I love it. I'm so glad you're using that. I do it too. I brush my teeth every single day, twice a day, you know, morning, night on one leg, I alternate. Yeah. And I think it improves. It does something for your bone health as well. I had heard this as a tip before from a a woman who is a yoga instructor who focuses on women over 50. And she talked about building your bone strength and how useful that particular move is for maintaining bone health. And so I knew it in the back of my head. And there was something about the conversation that you had with her on that podcast. And I was like, all right, Yvonne, get to it. And part of it is that this year I went back to roller skating after 30 years of, of not roller skating. Mm -hmm. And I was, and, and I want to be able to keep doing it. I love it. I love it. So part of the reason I'm roller skating also is to keep maintaining that balance, you know? Yeah, it's so fun. So smart to, to focus some of your exercise and fitness on things that you just totally enjoy versus you know, reps in a gym. Like you love roller skating. I love playing uh, racket sports. And when something's you, fun, what do you, we tend, what do you play? We, we what do racket it. sports do you play? Well, I, I played tennis for a decade, but during the pandemic, uh, I picked up something called platform tennis, which sometimes people refer to as paddle tennis. And it's played outdoors in the winter in a elevated metal uh, floor that's heated and there are screens all around the court. And so unlike just tennis where you're playing balls that hit the surface, you play balls off the screens as well. So it's kind of a combination of tennis and um, squash. Squash, You know, where you're yeah. playing off of walls. Wow. I have it's never heard of fun. that before. That's it's really, fun. yeah, it's really, really fun. It's, it's hard. It's fun and hard. Tennis is hard. Yeah, it's, it's super fun, but it, you know, it takes a long time to get good. Yeah, but that's okay. Sometimes that you know the the fun is in the trying and the learning and the growing and and just getting better day by day. Yeah, but you're right. It really is about finding whatever that thing is for you that you find fun, right? Keeping your body moving that way. Well, what I'm I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about your podcast and to talk about what made you decide to start your podcast. Oh, I love this question. So I I had been kicking around the idea of launching a podcast for about two years. And I, at one point, just sort of said to myself, you know, this is such a cliche. Everyone's got a podcast, you know, and I, I kind of got in my own way. And then during the pandemic, I was, um, you know, sort of increasingly isolated at the beginning of the pandemic, back when we were all sheltering a place. And I was missing hanging out in rooms full of amazing women. And I was really in need of a creative outlet because I was I was starting to feel that like early pandemic burnout from all of the stress and the anxiety. And I decided, you know, I was going to go for it. I was going to launch the show. And I decided to focus on uh, ageism and spotlighting women who are aging out loud and are 
creating vibrant midlives and vibrant third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth acts in part because of my day job. So my day job is working as a career coach. I work with a lot of senior executives, um, small business owners, and teams at large organizations ranging from like Google to American Express to Capital One. And I work with a lot of very experienced senior executives. And I was starting to hear this steady drumbeat of fear around ageism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, early in the pandemic, we were having big, um, you know, reductions in force. People were losing their jobs left and right. Industries were contracting. It was a scary time. And I was really hearing this steady drumbeat of fear around uh, ageism, loss of relevancy, loss of marketability. Everyone feels that, you know, they, they were reluctant to share their age. And they felt like leaving their dates on their LinkedIn or their resume was a red flag and that they were going to be whacked or overlooked. And that was my aha moment. I spoke to two people on one particular week who just said to me, no one can know I'm over 50. And it made me sad. And it yeah. also, you know, it made me a little mad, <laughs> you know. There is nothing wrong with being 50. There's nothing wrong with being experienced and having a lot of um, miles under your belt, a lot of expertise at work. We've developed great skill sets. We've developed lived wisdom. We've developed expertise. And I had my aha moment and said, this is what I want to be talking about. So I launched the show really to, to spotlight people who are thriving at this chapter of life. Fantastic. Oh, you're speaking my language. And I also had the the idea for my podcast rolling around my head for two years and was stopped by many of the same conversations that you just mentioned, but also I had a healthy dose of imposter syndrome and why would anybody want to listen to me? Uh, that was a major part of in major part of the conversation in my head. I was telling myself I was too busy, I was too this. But once I realized that the main stoppage was the imposter syndrome, that's when I was like, oh, well, then you have to do it. And I love it. Right. You had to push yourself past yeah. that that kind of limiting belief and that fear. I, I think that's really common. I mean, I, I, I've gone through phases in my own life and my own career when I would think to myself, you know, why me? Like other people are doing this and, and you know, is there a space for me? And I, for me, getting to midlife has taught me that, you know, you, we need to give ourselves permission to go after the things that we want to do. Um, launching the podcast has really reinforced that for me because I have had um, 163 conversations as of today. I've recorded 163 shows and I've talked to countless women who just got to midlife and gave themselves permission to go for it, you know, to leave a, a job and become an author to launch a nonprofit, uh, uh, focus on a cause that they really care about, to leave being a stay-at-home parent, to launch their own business, to leave corporate life, to launch their own businesses. You know, women get to a certain point and they look around and they start to think, why not me? You know, that earlier voice of why me, why me? Like, what can I, what do I have to offer? We get to this phase of life and we recognize we have so much to offer. And, um, you know, so we, we give ourselves permission to go for our dreams. Yeah. I think also the flip side of that is that the internalized ageism that we have can stop us from stepping out and taking on new challenges as we get older, because there, I, I feel like ageism, of course, cuts both ways. You've got ageism against the young and ageism against the old. And 
for me, there are certain things I told myself when I was young. Oh, I, I, I don't have enough experience. I'm too young to do that, blah, blah. And then I get to a certain point and I'm like, suddenly I'm too old to do it. Feeling too yes. old to do it. And it was all internalized ageism. Um, there's certainly external ageism, but I think the thing that, that, that I'm most passionate about addressing is what we've internalized that gets in our way as we make decisions about the things right. that we want to do. And that internalized ageism comes from culture and it comes from external factors. You know, the, the inner voice that we have, we weren't born with it. It was trained into us by our set of experiences. Mm -hmm. And I do believe for women that there is a sort of the double bind where you're too young at one point and too inexperienced to have, you know, quote unquote gravitas. And then when you're older, it's like, you're too old. And it's like literally like the Goldilocks syndrome. It's like, just never quite right. And yeah. you're never, you're never exactly the right age. And so much of this is total nonsense. And, you know, I do believe getting, getting to a certain age, getting to midlife teaches us that, you know, we realize that, that, that we are exactly the right age at any given time to go after what it is we want to go after. Yeah, it, absolutely. And there's such an opportunity in midlife because you've, you still have some energy. You might still be feeling pretty good in your body and have, you know, what you need to be able to launch into doing something new, you know? Yes. And I, I think that that certainly can be true at any age, but I think there's a really particular tipping point in mid-age where you can really kind of explore yourself in a new way that you maybe didn't allow yourself to do before, either because you're raising kids or because, you know, any number of things that might've been going on in your life prior to that. Right. You know, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I feel actually like a little bit squeezed right now too, in terms of time. Like I still have three kids that range from 16 to 23. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, exactly what they say when you're young, you have little kids, you have little problems, you've got big kids, you've got bigger problems. I'm helping them figure out, you know, their career, their next steps, launching themselves into early adulthood. It's, you know, they're big questions and it's, it, it, you know, it still requires time. Um, I mean, I can close my eyes at the swimming pool on the beach now, which I couldn't do when my kids were young. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like things do, you know, move in a, in a better direction, but there's still so much time. And, and I have, um, you know, parents that I want to spend time with. One of my one of my two parents is experiencing some health challenges that we, you know, my siblings and I had to get involved with. So, you know, there isn't magic time. I mean, I think that I was just talking about this with a friend the other day that you, everyone who's any, spent any time on Instagram has probably seen this meme go around. And it basically says something like um, getting to adulthood is saying to yourself over and over again, life will quiet down next week <laughs> and you'll say this until you die. And that is true. There I'm is raising my hand. That is exactly what the, the, the language in my head for just about right. any moment in my life. Yep. Exactly. And it's just, you know, this is true of every day of every phase of every bit of our lives. So you know, I, I do think that um, sometimes I, I do hear women say things to me, not on my show, because the women that come on my show are on the show because they are reinventing and they're experts in, in navigating change and, and making things happen. And, you know, they're, they're um, really approaching midlife with a great deal of vibrancy. But I, I talk to clients, I talk to people in my personal life, and, you know, I just spend time reading articles and different things. And you do hear this refrain of like, it's too late. You know, and, and I feel like that just it, that isn't necessarily true. You know, it's never too late to do what you want to do and 
try new things on for size, but sometimes we need to be realistic and we sort of have to reinvent our passions. You know, I, the oldest guest that I've had on my show is a woman named Dr. Helen Fisher. She came on the show several years ago at the age of 73. She'd gotten married um, in her 70s. You know, she found love. So, you know, she was, sometimes people think, oh, it's too late to like start a relationship. It's, it's never too late if that's something that's really important to you. Um, some things, we do have an expiration date on certain things like the ability to like, Maybe you know, have children, but you can adopt or foster. I mean, there's just so many different ways to sort of reinvent what it is that you want to be doing. Maybe it's too late to become a foreign correspondent and move to a different country, but you could move to a different country and become a blogger. You know, I mean, you can you can be realistic around your dreams and, and still uh, realize them in, in one shape or another if they're important enough to you. Yeah, yeah. I think the only time it's too late that it that it's true. If it's too late, is if, if that's what you're going to keep telling yourself, you're going to make it true. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, even Dr. Von der Wright, who we just talked about. I mean, it's too late to become a 14-year-old Olympic gymnast, but she studies, you know, senior Olympians. Um, so there, there is just so many different ways to, you, you can, you know, if Olympic dreams are on your radar, you know, you can, you could conceivably make that happen. There's just... There's no end to the things that you could be doing. But I, I think reinvention doesn't need to necessarily be as dramatic as becoming a senior Olympian or, or, or entering like a new marriage at 73. Reinvention can be as simple as reinventing your sense of fitness or your purpose or um, reinventing your friendship circle, not like jettisoning your old friends, but like acquiring new ones. I mean, there's there's always different ways to reinvent and create a more expansive sort of open uh, life and in whatever shape or form that you want it to be. Maybe you want to reinvent your fitness, you know, maybe you want to reinvent, uh, your creativity and launch it, you know, learn to knit. I mean, you could, there's, there's so many different ways to, um, you know, bring new things and new experiences, uh, into your, into your lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some, you know, a lot of times people think about reinventing and they think that there's a fear that comes up that they're going to have to blow up their current life to do that. And that is, I think that's what you're speaking to is that it doesn't have to be something huge. It can be something that is small and personal to you and a small shift and who knows where that leads, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. One little I love thing that. can be a trigger that just takes you down a primrose path. <laughs> yeah. And Yvonne, I would encourage your listeners, everyone who's listening to the show today to to um, take this idea on for size, like your life is being reinvented, even if you're not actively choosing it, you know, mm -hmm. like if you are, you know, jobs come and go, things, things have end dates, you know, um, if you are a parent, your um, children will, will grow and age and leave the home and your family dynamic will be reinvented, you know, friends will move out of town. Uh, and you'll need to reinvent your circle. Um, our bodies change, like it or not. We need to reinvent our fitness. So things are always in evolution. And even if you're resistant to the idea and thinking like, I have no interest in changing, change is coming anyhow. So the 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 more open we are to it and the more intention we bring to it, I think that the happier we will be. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yes to that. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here so I can tell you about an awesome resource that I think you're going to love. Here's the thing. We are always works in progress. Do you find yourself wondering, what do I want to be when I grow up? If so, then I think you're going to want to subscribe to We're All Getting Older, 
which is a weekly newsletter written by Lou Blazer that's all about continuing to grow and get better in the second half of our lives. We're All Getting Older is a sponsor for this podcast. And I'll tell you, I don't choose sponsors lightly. I get so much benefit from reading Lou's newsletter every week. And I think you will too. She writes the newsletter for midlifers who believe in getting better as we get older and making the most of life's second half. Her newsletter was previously called Midlife Cues, but it does have a shiny new name and I love it. We're all getting older. So if you want to subscribe to that, it is on Substack and you can easily find a link to subscribe at loublazer.com. That's L-O-U-B-L-A-S-E-R.com. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. So what is what would you say is the the biggest thing you've learned about yourself since starting the podcast? The biggest surprise uh, for me in, in launching this show and in all the conversations I've had is how we need to really be our own advocates in terms of our healthcare. I, this year alone, or this past year alone, um, in 2023, I had, uh, I believe, 15 doctors on the show, and I have spoken to probably, you know, close to 60 doctors since I've launched this podcast, and we really need to be our own healthcare advocates. I have learned from all the amazing doctors who've been on my show who are really like leading the charge on things like menopause care and bone health and cardiac impacts that these women have done the work themselves to be better educated. Our healthcare system, our medical schools do not train doctors in menopause. I think they get an hour or two of training in their whole it's course. Amazing, isn't it? There yeah. is a real deficit of uh, research into the impacts of menopause on women's health. Um, there has been some misinterpretation of science. There's been a lot of fear over the last decade plus about um, the efficacy of hormone replacement therapy. So a lot of women haven't been using it and will most likely be experiencing, you know, uh, impacts to their their bone and heart health from the from the loss of, of 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 estrogen over the years. So I was shocked to discover, like truly shocked to discover how little the healthcare providers that I was just walking into knew about what was going on with my body. I sometimes joke that I've learned more about caring for menopausal body by being a podcaster <laughs> than I ever did in visiting a doctor. And, you know, yeah. we all have to say to ourselves, like, that's not right. Yeah, is that, like, yeah that is that scary, is not, isn't it? That is not right. And so yeah. if you're assuming that your doctor is like, you know, this sort of person, like this suit, like in charge of everything and you're getting the best healthcare, you really need to educate yourself. There are menopause trained um, specialists across the country. You can head to the National Association of Menopause Specialists, that's NAMS. Uh, it's at menopause.org. You can find menopause trained providers in your area. And there are also a lot of really wonderful telehealth platforms that have emerged to connect women with menopause specialists. And uh, in no particular order, their Electra Health is one, Alloy Health, Midi Health, Genev, uh, HerMD. These are all platforms that provide telehealth services and connect women with the healthcare that they deserve, that they're not currently getting. 
Yeah. Didn't I see something uh, you posted recently? Are are you on the board for something? Yes. I I just joined the board of a nonprofit called Let's Talk Menopause. It's a research and advocacy arm. Uh, it has a medical board that is a board of advisors, but it does not give you know medical health per se, but it gives you access to resources and information. I had the founder of the uh, nonprofit, one of the co-founders, Donna Klassen, on the show three years ago. We've stayed in touch, and I recently joined the board, and I recently joined Donna at the end of last year to head down to D.C. for the introduction of the Menopause Research and uh, Equity Act of 2023 which was introduced by Congresswoman Yvette Clark from New York. And this bill is asking the director of the National Institutes of Health to um, pay attention to menopause, to allocate dollars for research, to have um, tracking so we can see what kind of, of the $45 billion that are, is in the um, NIH budget for research, we don't, you can't, less than 10% is allocated towards women's um, health issues, period. And it's very hard to glean how much is even being addressing, is being allocated to address menopause because there is no tracking number for menopause. So the bill asks that that menopause research be tracked. So at least we can figure out like if dollars are being spent appropriately. That's urgent. So, I'll just say that that's an it's urgent, totally urgent We are an aging population and that needs to be addressed all, you know, so, oh man. Yvonne, you put your finger on it because, you know, everyone who's listening to your show probably knows these statistics. You know, women have better heart health uh, and better overall health than men up until they go into menopause. But the number one killer of, uh, you know, the number one deaths of, in women, of cardiac deaths happen with women. Women have greater rates of osteoporosis, um, greater rates of hip fracture, which is a leading cause of death in the elderly population. And, and by the way, that we're all going to be that population at some point. Women have greater rates of Alzheimer's and dementia than men, right? So there are more women in the U.S. than there are men, and more women have uh, more adverse impacts in these three gigantic areas. And it's just, it's criminal that it hasn't been studied um, and it, it, there's not enough uh, dollars being uh, put towards, you know, protecting this population, it's 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 a health equity issue, and it's like a human a human rights issue. We 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 need better healthcare. We're one of the richest countries in the world. It's kind of astonishing that uh, our health is not being prioritized. Yeah, and most of the studies that have been done for anything like heart health or any general um, conditions that are going to affect mm -hmm. people, they most of them have been studies done on men. Not studies on done women, on men exactly right? a lot of our medical our medicine dosing like even aspirin dosing is based on men i recorded a podcast with dr suzanne steinbaum if anyone's interested in cardiac uh resources and information it's a wonderful listen i encourage you to come to a certain age pod and 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 search for it but uh dr steinbaum shared that when women show up in an er they are less likely to get care than men and more likely to die from a heart attack in a hospital so there's people there's don't recognize the symptoms, right? Because the symptoms are the different symptoms. for women than they are for men. And we don't we exactly. think of certain things when it comes to a heart attack, and it's all based on what what are the signs of yes. a, how a heart the attack symptoms, presents in a man. They present differently. And I also think there's also, you know, a bias against women. Women are often thought of, you know, 
there's, there's bias in the medical industry, the medical system against women. Women are sometimes thought of as being, you know, complaining or anxious or stressed out, histrionic, right? Yes. Sort of overreacting. <laughs> and, you know, you really truly have to be your own advocate. It's, um, you know, I, I think the, the good, this sounds depressing. The good news is we're at a tipping point. We're at an inflection point where there is so much attention being paid to menopause. There are um, just a cadre of really smart doctors and women who are, you know, banging the drum, you know, blowing the horn, calling attention to this. We've also been helped because there's a lot of interest and in, uh, advocacy and um, from celebrities, you know, uh, for yeah. good or for bad. You know, when a celebrity speaks, people pay attention. And there are a lot of women who are being much more candid about their own menopause experience. Oprah Winfrey has shared about hers. Michelle Obama's talked about it. Naomi Watts has talked about it. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. So uh, Halle Berry, who I had the chance to meet at the end of last year on Capitol Hill, who's you know um, become very active in menopause advocacy, which is important too, because women of color are disproportionately, ah, I can't even say that word, but <laughs> they have um, bigger, you know, bigger, more adverse impacts for menopause, including cardiac health. So when women are willing to be vulnerable and share the spotlight and, and, and sort of spotlight these, what had been thought of as sort of embarrassing taboo topics, you know, it really brings the sunlight that we all need on this. And I honestly feel like I have a 23 year old daughter and I'm so delighted that she will probably never have to work as hard to educate herself. This will be standard of care. It'll be like brushing your teeth, wearing a seatbelt, wearing a bike helmet, you know, they'll look back at this time that you and I went through, it's sort of like the dark ages when people like didn't have the information and the tools they need. That yeah. is my hope. I love that idea of, br of bringing it into the air. And that leads me to, uh, before we go, I wanna talk about your Age Out Loud initiative because I freaking love that. And, and it ties back to the beginning of your story with these women that you're coaching who don't want to out themselves and understandably so I will say because you know I used to be an actress I used to be in the theater the shelf life is even even shorter within that industry um you get to a certain point and you are you're old and yes so it totally makes sense that people do not want to out themselves with their age but how much more power do we have if we do let people know our age, if people know what 55 looks like on this person versus this person versus that person, that there's no one right way to look when you are an age there's, you know, it, it, so talk to yes. me, I'm, I'm going off. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about no, your I, age. Well, I love now. it. I love it. I, I love what you're sharing. So uh, just very quickly, so Age Out Loud is sort of an outgrowth of the, of the podcast. My show is called A Certain Age Pod. New episodes come out every Monday. So I could talk to an amazing woman in midlife reinventing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is no shortage of incredible women up to really amazing things in midlife. None. So I created a sister account over on, on Instagram called Age Out Loud. And it's an opt-in. So there's a, a link in the bio. You can um, open up a type form. You can enter in some answers to some questions, upload some photos. And then I create like a short little Instagram reel and share your story. This allows me to spotlight a much wider range of stories. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening mm -hmm. to join me over on Age Out Loud and, and share your story. I'd love to hear it. 
But the, the notion sort of behind this, this, this idea of aging out loud, you, Yvonne, you put your finger on it. It's tricky, right? Ageism is real. Uh, it is a, you know, a problem in the job industry. Even though uh, age is a protected status under federal law, you're not legally allowed to be discriminated at, discriminated due to your age, right? So that's the law. But there's a big difference between you know, the, the reality of the law and just the way people perce you know, perceive you. And I, I know that ageism is real. I hear it all the time. There is a, you know, a bias against people who are older. So it is tricky about aging out loud in your workplace. You need to, every person needs to ask themselves, you know, what is my comfort level? What is my sense of job security? I would never encourage anyone to do anything that would put their livelihood at risk. Uh, having said that, I truly believe nothing is going to change unless we start trying to change the, the conversation. So if we are completely unwilling as people to age out loud, we are never going to shift the needle, right? It's never going to be okay to be 40, 45, 47, 50, 55, 60 at work unless people are willing to, to share that they are you know, that age. Um, so I, I just, I, I invite people to try this on for size. And if it's not at work, you could think about other places in your life where you might choose to age out loud. Maybe you would do it in your community. Maybe you would do it in your home. You know, maybe you would do it, you know, like for relatives and family, maybe you would do it at social events. Um, there, I think there are different ways of trying this on for size that are comfortable, but you know, and then we have to just kind of, uh, and I, I do this myself, I have to watch my own language, you know, I've really gotten <laughs> much better at editing myself. And I, I no longer say things like senior moment, you know, mm. uh, to describe something like, which is brain fog, which is just a natural byproduct of, you know, menopause, a lot, a lot of us go through that. It is a, you know, can be a product of stress and, you know, the aging brain, but I'm not lumping things into senior moments. I'm trying not to talk to people who are chronologically younger than me and saying things like, you're so young, you know, mm. as if that's like just characterizes this gigantic group of people. So I'm, I'm just trying to be more mindful of my own language. And I think that that's also another way to kind of kind of approach this. Yeah, the awareness. I mean, I, I feel like once you start to open your awareness to what is ageist, what is internalized ageism, what is ageism that you're foisting upon somebody or upon yourself, there's so much power to be had just by becoming aware of it. Because once you're aware of it, then you have a choice in the matter about yes. the language that you're using, about the words that you're using. And then that affects your actions. Yes. Avon, I've got a great um, a tip I want to share that I got from one of my podcast guests. So I had a woman on the show named Dr. Amanda Hansen. Her Instagram handle is the Midlife Muse. She mm -hmm. is a, a psychologist. She shares really wonderful advice for anyone who's looking you know, to, to hear more about ageism. But when she was a guest on my show, she said she stopped coloring her hair at one point because she asked herself, you know, do I really believe that I'm less attractive with my natural hair color? And she said, no, like, I don't think that's true. And she asked herself a few other questions about aging. And she said, like, do, am I afraid of aging? Do I think aging is terrible? Do I feel like older people? You know, so she asked herself all these questions and, you know, she decided, I don't believe these things to be true. So when we have that moment of, you know, oh my gosh, am I, do, do I feel that being older makes me less relevant at work? If we ask ourselves, do I really believe this to be true? The answer is probably no. 
And quite often we don't ask ourselves these questions. We just sort of blindly move through the world. Mm -hmm. But when we're confronted with the opportunity to say, do I really believe this to be true? Do I feel like less sexy, less relevant, less healthy, less fit, less of a good partner, less creative? Because I'm now 54, the answer is probably, no, I don't believe that to be true. So this is a great tool that I, I invite anyone who's listening to take on. I feel like when we ask ourselves these questions, we can really um, just expand our view of what we think is possible for ourselves and what we think is possible for you know everyone else who's in this chapter of life with us. Love it. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was amazing to sit down and get a chance to talk to you about this thing that we're both so passionate about. And I love that that trick of of looking at something and just asking, is it true? Is right. It true? Do I believe it to be true? The answer is most likely no. Uh, Avon, thank you so much for this invitation. I love hanging out with fellow podcasters. I love that you're focused on the the same area, you know, giving people um, information, tools, resources, and inspiration to recognize this is such a rich and vibrant chapter. So I really appreciate the invitation. What are you most excited about before you go? I always like to ask people what they're excited about that's coming up. Um, that's a great question. So I have like a weird answer. So I have been trying to write a book for several years and I just have not gotten my act together to do it. So I am most excited that we're in, you know, a new year and that I have a new opportunity to, to make this happen. So I'm kind of, um, I guess I'm just trying to manifest this. I am most excited about the fact that I'm finally sitting down and doing this thing that I've told myself I'm going to do forever. <laughs> so that's it. I'm putting it out into the universe, Ivana. I'm, I'm making it happen. You're my I'm a believer. Partner. I'm a believer. You're, you're my accountability partner now. There you go. You got me. Check in with me. If you want me to check in with you, I will. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You Thank got you. this. It's like, it's like once you make a decision to do that and, and, out yourself to other people. It's amazing the power that that has, isn't it? Yes, I agree. Oh my gosh. Well, best of luck to you. Thank you again for everything. Thank you, Yvonne. Well, there you have it. Okay, my friend, I have a challenge for you. Just start listening to your everyday conversations with people. Notice when you are being ageist in any way shape or form just notice it just and 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 see if when you start to notice it it gives you a little bit of power over it power in choosing your words and i am telling you it's a game changer you are going to start to change the way you think about yourself and what's possible for yourself as you move along through your life so, hey, if you are interested in learning more about Katie Fogarty, you can head over to a certainagepod.com. Check out that Aging Out Loud initiative. It's called Age Out Loud. And check out her podcast. She brings on experts, doctors. Um, it's just chalk filled with great information that is important to us at this point in our lives. So go check it out. You can also find information about Katie in the show notes for this episode. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast 
and look for episode 174. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.